guests, let's give them a hand tonight. Make sure they feel welcome to church. We're glad you're here. How many are excited to be in church on a Saturday night? Some, some of you, I believe some of you in this place are those people that said, if I ever went to church, the, the columns would fall down, right? Because on Saturday nights, you were doing something else. I know I won't have anybody raise your hands, but I see some heads nodding. That Saturday night was not a church was not the place you showed up to, but now God has changed your life. Amen. How many are thankful that God has changed your life and we're in church on a Saturday night? That's radical. Amen. Radical revival. We're so blessed and honored to have Pastor Bland and Robin, his wife, here with us. And we had a great discipleship, great service last night. God's going to give us a powerful word tonight. Don't forget tomorrow. 9 and 11, invite somebody, text somebody, call somebody, somebody you haven't seen, say we've been missing you, and uh, we'd love to see you tomorrow, amen? We're believing for a great, great time tomorrow as well. I was thinking of one story, I have lots of stories with Pastor Bland, but um, this is 11 years ago, Pastor Bland's already like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we were in the Congo together, and we got to travel to Kenya and the Congo together, I think we ended up meeting somewhere in Europe, I think, or did we meet there in Africa? I can't remember. It's been so long. But anyways, we, we got to spend the whole time together, and I was very thankful to be with him because he had been there many, many times. And I remember going to the Congo, and I, this was, I'd have been about 37. How many know when you're in your 20s, you're a little crazier, a little less calculated, and you take more risks? Well, I was already in my late 30s, heading to the 40s, and I had already been a missionary for a bunch of years, and, and I was a little more calculated, and uh, I was signed up on the embassy thing, and I remember getting these emails, like, for weeks before I got there. And as a matter of fact, today, I, to this day, I still get them. I don't know if you still get those emails that says, don't travel to the Congo as an American. Don't come. Don't go. It's too dangerous. They kill people, they're killing Americans, and I just, how many know if you're about to travel to a place like that, and you're getting emails that says, don't go? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense, right? But I felt, you know what, we're going to be all right, because Pastor Bland's been there a bunch of times, and they wouldn't be sending me there if it wasn't safe, and so we, we ended up having a great trip, but I remember being there, and we were in a hotel, and you would, so obviously, first of all, I, me and him were the only white people the entire week. We did not see another white person. And I remember the kids, this was a sh- culture shock for me, were walking up to me and touching me, touching my hands, staring at me, because many of them did not have TVs. They had never seen a white person before. Kids had never seen a person of a different color. And, and I just, it, that was awesome. It, it was an hour drive every day from the hotel compound to the church. And just going through traffic, they told us we couldn't film. They'll take our camera away from us. There's just all these rules and all these things that you're hearing. So so we're nervous. And so we're stuck in the hotel all the time, right? They tell us you can't leave the hotel. It's straight to the church, back to the hotel, sit in the hotel all day long, sleep, get up tomorrow, next day, same thing. So one day, Pastor Bland says, let's go out of the compound. And I was like, really? Really? And, and, but I had to put on my man pants, and he might not even remember that. I didn't want to go out the compound. If they're telling us don't go outside, there's a reason why they're telling us to not go outside. But I was like, he's like, you want to go for a walk? And I'm like, yeah, of course, let's go. Let's go for a walk. 
I don't know if he, how much he remembers of this, but we went out of the compound and did exactly what they told us not to do. And we walked a couple miles or something and went down and, and we just got out. We just wanted to get out. But I think part of it was he just wanted to do different than what they were telling him to do. <laughs> he just wanted to rebel a little bit. And I love that about him, that he's bold and he, he's, only, he's only listening to God. And if it's not God telling him, then he has little troubles just obeying everything that people tell him to do. How many want to obey God more than what people tell us to do? Amen? Well, I'm thankful for that. Amen. Thankful for his heart and his, his uh, ministry as a great church that I've been blessed many times to go and preach at in Cortez. And they drove a long ways to be here. And I know he's got a word for you. I want you to look at me and say, God's got a word for me tonight. Amen. Amen. Let's give Pastor Bland a big Texas welcome tonight as he comes. Let him know we love him and appreciate him. Ask me if I remember it. I don't remember it. <laughs> you know, I did that with another guy. I was in Malawi once. That's where I was born. I was born in, in Africa. And uh, so I was with a guy from our church in Malawi. And same thing, I, you know, you can only stay in a compound so long. And the first time I went to Africa it was three weeks. And I was a crazy man by that time to stay in that compound all the time. And, and so uh, I was with another guy from our church, and we went to Malawi. And uh, there again, I, I just, well, I don't think they told us we couldn't walk in Malawi. I thought, you know, I was born here, even though I'd been there for a long time. And so we went out walking, and uh, we got to a place, and the, the one guy wanted to head back. I said, well, I'm going to just walk up around this other area. Anyway, long story short, when I came back down, five guys had attacked him. He had fought him off. They had ripped his shirt off of him, and uh, I felt bad, but uh, I guess not that bad because I did it again with Pastor Blake. But <laughs> You know, you can't live in fear, can you? I'm not going to live in fear, and uh, God's going to help us. You know, I'm really, it's a privilege to be here. Such a good presence of God in this place. You know what I sense today, yesterday, and today both is that you know, we preach a lot on pressing in. We preach a lot on, uh, I, how many know we ought to be challenged when we come? Not petted, but we ought to be challenged when we come to church. But I will say this, that as God moves, as much as we might press in and as much as we want, grace has to flow in a place. And I, I feel, yes, people are being challenged here to press in, but it's a work of grace. At the, you're going to give the best that you can at the end of the day. It's not going to be enough. And God's going to have to come in and do all the things that we can't possibly do on our own. And I'm thankful for that. We've, we love your pastors. Just a great time. We just enjoy hanging out with them. And uh, they're, you're very blessed to have them as your pastors. Amen. So I was going to preach this morning. I had already determined what I was going to preach on. I told my wife... Uh, she asked me, I think, early this morning. I told her what I was going to preach on, and she's like, oh, that'll be good. And, and then this afternoon, we went back to the motel room, and I'm telling you, God changed my mind. I mean, we'll let God change your mind. So I, this word that I'm going to share, I don't have any doubt. I've learned not to argue with God about things. You know, preachers have their favorite sermons. They have sermons that have, 
that they feel good about, you know, and they think that's a hot number, you know. Well, God knows who's going to be here. I don't know you people. Uh, I, I know faces, but I don't really know you. I don't know your life situations, but God knows those things. And so this, I pray this message tonight. I believe it's specific for people that are here tonight. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to, uh, I'm going to read out of Jeremiah 18 in just a moment. Let's just pray. Father, we need you tonight. Holy Spirit, right now, come among us, walk among us, be among us. And Lord, touch our hearts. Heal those that need healed. Breathe life and hope into those tonight that are struggling and have given up in, in their lives and in certain areas. Lord, I pray tonight for your work of grace in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, how many of you know who Catherine Kuhlman is? You know who Catherine Kuhlman is? Catherine Kuhlman was a... Uh, Lady preacher, she uh, it was early, you know, 1930s, 40s in there, maybe even 20s, I can't remember, but uh, she began to, to, she got saved in this dead little church, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost, and, and they didn't even know what the Holy Ghost was back then, and she began to preach, and, and uh, she did all kinds of crazy things. She'd go into a town with her girlfriend, her girlfriend played the organ, and she'd play the organ, and Catherine would preach. And she, she, at one time, she preached in a chicken coop because that was the only place they could have meetings. So she clean, her, they cleaned it up, and they preached and had a revival in some small town. And God really used her. She ended up ultimately in Denver, Colorado. And uh, she had just a tremendous move of God there. People were getting saved. I don't remember the name of it, but it was, it was exciting what God was doing. And uh, she was basically an evangelist, and she would preach, and, and uh, in fact, she, she shared how she knew God had offered her ministry to several men who didn't want to pay the price. And so God raised her up, and she began to preach. And then she got involved with a man that she shouldn't have got involved with. He was married. He ended up divorcing his wife. They got married. And after she did that, the, uh, they were going to just go on. I mean, you know, you, you better value what God's doing in your life. It died. It died. Her church died. His church that he pastored up in uh, North or South Dakota someplace died. And they moved out to California. And she was a number of years where nothing happened. She, she, it's like the anointing left her. And then she finally reached a place and she just broke before God. And she said, God... Um, she said, I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he dealt with her. You're going to have to make some things right. So she separated from this man. Um, I don't think she divorced him to, for years later, but she said, I, I did wrong, and I'm putting that aside. She separated, and she got humble before God, and she went back in. And today, she is known. If you read Catherine, Catherine Kuhlman books are excellent. If you can get them, read them. But she, tremendous miracles, unbelievable miracles. I am talking that when God began to move in those services, she, it wasn't so much praying for people in prayer lines, but, I mean, we're talking unbelievable things. People screaming out as things begin to happen in their bodies. You can, you can, and she was very strict on reporting miracles. She, you had to have your, your family physician... And he had to testify. You had to have specialists. She, some of the greatest miracles were never printed until after she died because she, they didn't have enough backup proof. And she wanted all of the doctor's reports. She wanted the proof. 
that, so that people could see. But long story short, she's remembered today in a great way. And I'm, I'm telling you tonight, the past, the, the failure, and when she died, before she died, there was a guy named um, uh, Jamie Buckingham. And he was the one that wrote, she trusted him to write. And she said, Jamie, when I'm gone, tell it all. Can I tell you, the things that encourage me are not the perfection stories, how everybody did everything right. The things that have encouraged me are the people that have had some failures and they've come out of it. She had some failures, and she told Jamie, she said, I want you to tell the whole story. I want you to tell everything, the good, the bad, the struggles, the failures. And I'm going to preach tonight on what I called the marred vessel. In Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah 18, verse 1, it says, And the word that came to, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. And this is, I like that when it says from the Lord. This is very clear. This is from the Lord tonight. How many are with me? If, if God talks to you, it's from the Lord. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled or marred in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So the word of the Lord came, and the message contained in this parable illustrates what God was saying. And it wasn't a man idea, it was a God idea. I want you to see that. So the first thing that we, I believe we can draw from what, what Jeremiah experienced is that the, the clay, picture he goes down to the potter's house, and the potter's working. The potter is the Lord himself. And how many know we are the clay in the Lord's hand? And he's working in our lives. And the clay has to be worked, and the chunks of, of dirt and the rough stuff have to be worked out of that clay. But as he's working... With the, this lump of clay, I want you to realize something. While it was in the potter's hand, this clay was not out in the world doing its own thing. The way I take this, almost this is somebody that was in church. This is somebody, while it was in the potter's hand, Catherine Kuhlman, while she was in the potter's hand, became marred. And you know what? The world likes perfection, perfect, nice, pretty people. You know, you look at all the, um, uh, I saw a deal uh, popped up on, on Google on, on Suzanne Summers the other day. I guarantee you Suzanne Summers doesn't look as good without a lot of help. Amen. You know, people like perfect. They like old people that are in their 80s that look like in their 20s. I'm sorry, it's not really that way. Amen? And uh, they like perfection and nice things, pretty churches, pretty people. But can I tell you that's not reality? We are a flawed bunch of people. And I love to see a church full of every different kind of young. I appreciate the, the older songs that we sing tonight. How I many you know church has to be, have a place for everybody? Young, old, doesn't matter what color you are, there's a place for you. So uh, 
in, while, while, while the clay was in the potter's hand, it became marred. In church, in, in, even in the will of God, as a pastor, as a disciple, there are times when people become marred. Now this, this message carries uh, uh, two thoughts tonight. If it's you that's been marred tonight, it's for you. But can I tell you that in the body of Christ, we are the ones that restore other people that get marred. If people think they've got to come to a place <coughs> that's just full of the perfect people, they'll not come to that place. But if they know that they can be in that place and God can restore them and help them and there's hope in that place, that's where they'll come. That's where they'll be encouraged. While the clay was in the potter's hand. Let me read you something that Billy Graham wrote. He said, the paradise of peace was turned into a prison of confusion. Here's Adam and Eve, right? It's perfect. How much more perfect can you get than the Garden of Eden? There was no reason to fail or to sin. But in that perfect place... That perfect world, perfect trees, perfect grass, perfect garden, perfect God, perfect relationship with God, they were marred. Come here with me. It says the paradise of peace turned into a prison of confusion. The sun sank over the fringe of Eden, and the gloom of despair and loneliness settled down upon the world. Man, who a few hours previously had basked in the glorious light of Eden, now hid in the shadows of a haunted forest, and the sword of his conscience cut deeply into his soul. The vessel had been marred in the hands of the potter. Man had become a sinner, a transgressor, a disobedient child of creation. He was immediately classified as an alien from God and even as an enemy. The wreckage of sin's devastation can be seen strewn along the shores of time. History is full of it. Cain, vanishing into a forest of condemnation with his innocent brother's blood crying from the ground. The faithless, faithless people of Noah's generation, slipping into the relentless flood of God's judgment. The suffering of a wicked Pharaoh as he wantonly defied God's plea of mercy. Samson, who once knew the presence of God's Spirit blindly and remorsefully turning the mill of his enemies. King Saul, consumed with envy, feeling or falling on the edge of his own sword. Jezebel, defiant and unbelieving, cast from the widow, uh, window of her palace for the dogs to eat. David, broken and shattered with sorrow, brought on by his own imagination and lust. The world is not perfect. The church is not perfect. But it's, it's where there's marred vessels. And this scripture deals specifically with that. See, are we humble enough tonight to admit that we're marred? That's the beginning of redemption. We just have to say, Lord, I've been marred. We, we can go into all the details, but how many know at the end of the day, uh, you can go over and over the details, but the bottom line is you're, you were, you, you, you're no longer that nice vessel, but somehow you've marred yourself. Something has happened in your life. Can I tell you, I could go down through, through the Bible and it's full of marred people. People that messed up. People that did things. People that may, I can go, uh, you know, I read just that by Billy Graham. Do you know that Franklin Graham, who's preaching all over America today, you know, there was a time when, when they gave him, he took a bunch of missions money to preach and do things in Europe, and he went and he partied all across Europe and blew all that money that people gave. You didn't know that, did you? He was a marred vessel. They asked Ann Graham Lawrence, his sister, they said, what about Franklin? She said, oh. Franklin. Franklin was the worst. But how many know God restores marred vessels? 
Today, Franklin's standing up for some very important things in America. See, the, the world loves beautiful, flawless, perfect things, but in reality, there are none of those things. No one is that. Dig into any of our lives. Dig into our private worlds. Let me just tell you, there is whether you see them or not, we're flawed. We have flaws. We've marred. We've been marred while we're in the potter's house many times. Now, the first thing I want you to see is the reality of the potter's attitude. Because immediately, when we fail, the devil is right there. First of all, he tempts us. He gets us to do things. And then he's honest like white on rice. He's honest. You failure. You worthless piece of trash. You are this and you are that. But I'm gonna, I want you to catch. It's, we need to know God's attitude, right? Let me tell you, if I know that God's for me, the Bible says, if God be for me, who can be against me? Amen? So what is the, it says, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. See, we need to get past uh, the devil's lies that God's done with us. There was not even a question. It says the, the, the clay was marred, and he reworked it. He didn't say, well, should I rework it? Is it worth reworking? No. It was, can I tell you the heart of God? All right, we're going we're gonna to rework this clay. How many can see his attitude there? And the devil comes and says, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can ever do anything. Of course you can. Because God reworks smart vessels. He doesn't throw them. We don't have, you know, out back the, 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 the pile of, of, of useless clay. We have reworked clay. Amen? So God's message, you say, Pastor, I don't know if I can, I can get past this. Maybe, maybe you fell and went into drugs or you went back to something in your life or, or you, uh, something happened. I don't care what it is. When we're marred, we need to know the, the heart. It says he reworked it immediately. No hesitation. I mean, I'm glad God didn't sit back and say, well, I'm, I don't know about you. You're, you're pretty messed up. This one's not, you know, we, we degree everything. Well, I'm not as messed up as they are. You're messed up for saying that, amen? Sin is sin. We're all messed up. Let's just be real tonight, amen? We don't have perfect marriages. We don't have perfect lives. We don't have perfect this and that. And so <clears throat> the, Lord's, the Lord looks and He says He reworked it into another vessel. How many people will end up in hell because they do not believe the heart and the love of God? And the devil lies to them and says, You're done. It's over. It, you, you know, God's done with you. You have to have faith that God can rework you. I believe in the love of God tonight. I believe that he takes marred vessels like me. You say, well, what are you talking about? Well, that's none of your business, amen? I, I'm not here to, to tell you all of my dark things. And you don't need to tell me yours. I don't want to know them. You know, I, I learned a lot early on in pastoring. There's some things better not talked about, even in counseling sessions. Leave them between you and Jesus, Amen? Because God will rework, and he will work with people if that's what you want. But you've got to have the faith. You've got to believe in the love of God. You've got to believe God isn't done with me yet. I don't care what people say. I don't care what your mama says. God says he'll rework you. I'm not saying it'll be a cakewalk. I'm not saying you won't have to deal with some things. But how many know the end is going to be good if you let God rework you? You know, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, uh, Israel has insisted 
on having their, their, their own king. Remember that? How many of you have ever insisted on your way? God, I'm going to have this. Lord, I'm going to have that guy. I'm going to marry that girl. I don't care. I, I, my pastor may, you know, it may not look good. They may, whatever. And you know what? We insist on our own ways. And we're going, oh, my goodness. Why did I insist on? I'm, you know what? We can make, always make a, an excuse when we want something, can't we? I remember one time when I was first saved, I, I, I wanted this, this really beautiful Honda 650 motorcycle. Candy apple red, beautiful chrome on that thing and i made every excuse lord i'll save money i knew it wasn't the will of god and i insisted so god said okay go ahead knock yourself out so i did for about the next five years i couldn't sell that thing give that thing away get out of the payments he just let me grunt green apples for five years amen but he wasn't done with me amen he didn't cast me into the trash heap so he, he reworks the vessel. And Israel had uh, insisted on their own way. And they said, Lord, we want a king. He said, no, you don't need a king. He said, I, I want to be your king. How many want God wants to be the king? But Israel insisted, and then they got Saul. You remember the story? God gave them King Saul, and King Saul turned out to be a disaster. He was horrible. He, he abused them. He, uh, he got them into trouble. And, and you, you, you look, and this whole nation has, in, and watch this, it says, and, and all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants, the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all of our sins this evil and asked for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all of this evil, right? God doesn't say you haven't done. He says, yes, you did it. You've done all this evil. Yet, do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all of your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that, that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people. Those are some of the most wonderful words. For the Lord will not forsake his people. Let's say that together. For the Lord will not his people. Let's say it again. For the Lord will not forsake his people. You need to tell the devil that at many points. For the Lord will not forsake his people. He didn't tell Israel, I'm done with you. He says, I won't forsake you. He says, for his, for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Yes, Israel messed up. And he goes on, he says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. This is uh, Samuel. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Can I tell you, even after Israel failed, God had a good and a right way for them to walk. There's a good and a right way for you tonight. There's a good and a right way that will lead you out of that valley of despair. There's a good and a right way that will salvage your kids, that can heal marriages, that can bring hope even when we've marred ourselves. There's a good and a right way. He says, only fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all of your heart. Incredible redemptive message here. They've messed up, but God's brought them out. See, the reworking of the clay, the next part he says, is as it seemed good to the potter to do. So, here's the deal. 
we we we've uh, we've had problems. We've messed up. We've gone through something. You know, sometimes we brought it on ourselves. Sometimes life's brought it to us. I've seen guys. I've had a guy in our church, and uh, uh, he married a woman that was hell on wheels. She was a mess. She tormented the poor guy. But you know what? Uh, God's got good things in his life still. Even today, God, right now, God's doing good things. He's on a date tonight with a good godly woman that God's helping him with. Amen? So uh, it's, it's not over, he says, but as it seemed good to the potter to do. So you've, you've gone through something. You've been marred. You've, you've gone through a relational difficulty. You've gone through something in your life. You've gone through an addiction. You've gone through some personal failure of some kind. You did something uh, in a moment uh, in your life. But now... We're going to see, it says, as it seemed good to the potter. Let me tell you, God has a timing. Are you willing tonight to wait for God's timing? I'm not saying it's over like that. I'm saying you're going to have to walk through some things. You're going to have to work out some things. But, he, but all of that's worth it when we know at the end we're going to be a new vessel. As it seems good, as it seems good to the potter to do. Do you trust God's good more than your good? See, a lot of times we want instant gratification. Uh, well, I'm going to fix I just want, I want all solved tomorrow. No, it won't all be solved tomorrow, but it might be resolved next week or six months or a year down the road or five years down the road, whatever it takes, as it seems good. How many are willing for God's good? As it seems good to the Lord in His timing, not in our impatient timing. Complete trust and reliance on the Holy Spirit. God's doing the work. You've got the promise. He's going to rework you. He's, but as it seems good to Him, in, uh, uh, he's going to work some processes. Old things are going to die in that processes. New things are going to be brought forth in your life. Smith Wigglesworth said this. How many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is? He's an old Holy Ghost fireball. And he says, when God's Spirit comes in as the ruling, controlling power of our lives. He gives us God's revelation of our inward poverty, and He shows us that God has come with one purpose, to bring heaven's best to earth. He also shows that with Jesus, He will indeed freely give us all things. An old man and an old woman had lived together for 70 years, and someone said to them, You must have seen many clouds during those days. And they replied, Where do showers come from? You never get showers without clouds. It is, the, it is only the Holy Spirit who can bring us to the place of realization of our poverty. But every time He does it, He opens the windows of heaven and the showers of blessing fall. But I must recognize the difference between my own spirit and the Holy Spirit. My own spirit can do certain things on natural lines. It can even weep and pray and worship. But it is all on a human plane. We must not depend on our own human thoughts and activities or our own personalities. If the baptism means anything to you, it should bring you to the death of the ordinary where you are no longer putting faith in your own understanding, conscious of your own poverty. You are ever yielded to the Spirit. Then it is that your, bo then it is that your body becomes filled with heaven on earth. How many? How may I get nearer to God? How may I be in the place of helplessness, in my own place and dependent on God? I see a tide rising. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So in that place, God's going to do it as what seems good to Him. Are you willing to trust that? Are you willing to trust the time frame and let Him work it out? 
The Bible says that we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. No longer walk as the Gentiles do. So I end with this thought tonight. He goes on there in Jeremiah and he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I do with you as the potter has done? The issue tonight is this. Will I surrender? Can I do this with you? God asks you that. Can I do this with you tonight, the Holy Spirit says. Can I do this in your life? Let me, let me give you another thought. Can I do this with people in the church? You know, I, I believe in discipleship. I believe in being challenged. And, uh, but I tell you what, I've seen something work sometimes among disciples. And it's like uh, uh, there can come this attitude of, of climbing the ladder. Let me tell you, we're called to help get other people up the ladder, not just climb the ladder. We're not just in this for ourselves. You want to be, how many want to be a redemptive person? The one that comes, you know what the Holy Spirit, He is the one that comes alongside. You know who He uses? He uses people that have that mindset. They're willing to come alongside. Not look down their noses at those around. And let me tell you, in a church, there's going to be ups and downs and ins and outs. And the question is, will we work with marred vessels, including ourselves? He says, can I do this with you? Can I take you, that person that's failed for the 500th time? Will you trust me enough to yield to me? Will you, will you let me help? Can I do this with you? Let me give you one more thing Billy Graham wrote. How many like to hear from godly people? You know, when I read good stuff from, from godly people, it's like personal discipleship. I'm glad people took the time to write some things down. Billy Graham said this, He says, the cross comes with its mighty power to bring low as well as to exalt. For it exalts none but those whom it first humbles. It calls the pious worshiper to come down out of his ivory tower and to take his place at the cross with the outcasts and the vile. It tells the earnest seeker and the anxious inquirer that by their own efforts they are made not one whit better until they put their hope fully in him who was slain. It tells the sincere evangelical whose mind is a treasury of orthodox doctrines that he must stand beside the drunkard and the harlot and say, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I realize that these are hard sayings, but the Bible says that the cross is an offense to the righteousness of man. The cross says that all have sinned. It decrees that every person marred by sin must be remade could that be you tonight I understand from what I read in in the news and stuff that that one of the last things that Billy Graham said was God be merciful to me a sinner I mean all that thief on the cross and he looked over at Jesus he said Lord I don't care what you've done what you think you've done at the end of the day we have to say God Be merciful to me, a sinner. Help me, Lord. I'm a marred vessel. At the foot of the cross, it's level. How many understand that? We're not up on the high. We're not the elevated bunch. At the foot of the cross, we all come. We're marred vessels. Doesn't that give you hope tonight? 
Aren't you glad that there's Catherine Coleman's that got back up and God took that marred vessel? And you know what? The end was greater by far. The later ministry, you say, well, Pastor, I've, I've blown it so bad or this or that. No, let me tell you, let God, leave that to God. I can't tell you what your future is, but could you trust God and let him rework it as he see, as seems good to the potter, as seems good. My experience is it's always better. It's always better. You say, can plan B be better? I believe that it can. Amen? Sometimes we're playing C, D, and F, and that one might be better too. I don't know. I don't have all the, I'm not saying there's no consequences for things that we do, but I'm telling you that he's the master potter. He can do things in your life, and he can work with you, and he can work with me. Let's bow our heads in this place tonight. He went down to the, the potter's house. And Jeremiah saw something. God was going to do a new thing. He was going to heal some things. He was going to bring some hope. As every head's bowed tonight, let's just be open right now to the Holy Spirit. He wants to help us. He is here to help us. How many in this place, God's talking to you. He's just since His presence. Let me tell you, the first thing is none of us can make ourselves right with God. We, are all, we have all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. And we need Jesus. I don't care what kind of family you were raised in. I don't care whether you were raised in church three times a week or whether you were raised uh, in, 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 in a gang. It doesn't matter. You need Jesus. The foot of the cross is level. We need Jesus. Maybe you haven't received the Lord tonight and God's calling you to Himself. The first calling from God is unto himself. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Have you come to Jesus? Have you just been honest and said, God, I need you in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need this burden of sin and failure and darkness. My mind's been troubled. I need to be free. I need light to shine into this dark life of mine. I need you, Jesus, tonight. How many would slip your hands up right now? God's talking to you, and you need Jesus tonight. You sin say, God's talking to you. You just raise your hands in this place right now, and you're saying, I don't know the Lord. I, I'm, not, I'm away from Him. I'm not right with Him, but I want to be right with Jesus tonight. And right now, you'd slip your hands up. Let God help you. He wants to touch you. God knows every person in here. Some of you here tonight, you feel like that marred vessel. And we don't have to go in. Nobody needs to go in and, and detail things that bring shame and hurt to our hearts. But I'm telling you tonight, how many tonight you just admit before God, you know what, Lord, I'm that marred vessel, some area of your life. And tonight, you're going to trust Jesus to rework and reshape your life. You just slip your hands up before God right now. God's talking to you. There's a, there's a conviction. There's a dealing going on right now. You say, you know what, I'm that marred vessel. And I'm going I'm to allow you, Lord, to work with me. I'm going to have faith that you're going to work with me tonight. I mean, we'd be honest with God. Right now, God's talking to you. Let's stand in this place. Let me just tell you something. In the church, we're going to go through certain, certain things. And God calls us to be redeemers of people. Redeemers of people. I don't know the whole purpose tonight of this message. I, I absolutely know God put it on my heart to preach. 
But this church is going to be a Redeemer church. It is a Redeemer church. It's not going to be, but it's, that's probably going to increase. And there's going to be marred vessels that are going to come in this place. How many are willing to work with people? Oh, we're not high and mighty. We're not, perf- we're not the perfect and the beautiful. We're just people that God has mercifully helped put back together. We don't deserve it. This is a place of grace. And God not only wants to redeem, you know, your pastor shared with me a lot of your stories. A lot of you were that marred vessel. God's already, you're already down the road a little bit from that place. I know your, some of your testimony, even this week, this person, they were in this, and this was that situation, and that was going. Why do we tell those things? Because it brings hope to our hearts, amen? If he'll do it for you, he'll do it for me, amen? And he'll do it for thousands of other people that are out there in the city of Denton and in the surrounding area right now. So I don't know where you're at tonight, but I'm going to just have a time. Let's, let's come. You know, I come to the altar a lot. Oh, God. You know, sometimes the marring is not some huge event. You know, sometimes it's just we marred ourselves in something that we said this week. We ran our mouth. You ever ran your mouth? You know, your mouth is the biggest marring tool on your, on your body. The mouth has done more damage than anything else. And you said, boy, I don't know. I, I really I screwed that one up. I said something. I did something. I, you know what? I, I, I messed it up. God can restore. He can heal. So let's do two things tonight. Let's come for ourselves tonight. If you've, if you've felt hopeless, you come to this altar tonight, and you can know that God is going to remake you into something. We sing that song, Something Beautiful, Something Good. He's going to remake you. But let's also come tonight, the, the future and the destiny, you're going to be a redeemer of marred vessels. There's going to be people that come in this place that other churches probably don't even want. But we'll take them, amen? We'll take them because God's a restorer. He takes marred vessels. So let's worship God and let's come to this altar tonight. Let's ask Jesus to make us part of that process in this place. Father, thank you.